0: My wife and I have, well, recently begun potty training, our eldest son. Lots of fun. I won't go into the detail, but um, it's really interesting to see how an incentive to get a sticker really motivates a child to do something, to go to the toilet rather than not. So, when we started potty training, we produced a lovely sticker chart where he could put his stickers for going to the toilet. After 10 successful goes, he would get an ice cream. Again, after the next 10, he got an ice cream. After 50 stickers, he would get something a bit more special. I think we've reached 50 just yesterday, so um, I have no idea what we're going to do for that. But whenever Gethin, that's his name, whenever he goes to the party, he runs out of the bathroom, and he says, I've done away! I've done away!" And then he demands is a sticker. Isn't it funny what kids will do for a sticker? How proud they are to receive this kind of reward. I mean, they're, they're just stickers. But if you think about it, we're the same. Maybe not for going to the toilet. But we like to do things when there is a reward, as some kind of incentive. That goes along with it. Whether it is a physical reward like a sticker or a prize or, or money. Or whether perhaps it's more of a social reward to do with our relationships. Being recognised by others. Receiving some kind of praise for the things that we've done. We've just had the Olympics and the Paralympics right now in Rio. And many people in Team GB have won many golds. Which is fantastic. And they get a medal. It's made of gold. They can keep it and It's precious. But of course they've also won great respect and admiration and recognition by all those who've seen them. And they've received the applause, literally, as they've done the lack of honour. When it comes to our relationships with other people, we want to be liked by them. We want, to, we want people to think highly of us. We like it when people praise us for things that we've done. We want people to notice. For example, when a a boy meets a girl, he's kind to her, he buys her flowers, he wants her to like him. It's only later that she realizes that he doesn't really buy flowers very often. But as Christians, sometimes we behave the same way. The Bible teaches us, of course, that God wants us to live, to follow him, to, to live a life of response, of worship that pleases him, that serves the church. But often we can fall into the trap of living our Christian lives, which is good, but but doing it with the motivation that we want to look good in front of other people. We want people to think, "Eh, he's quite a spiritual young man. Well, she's super holy. We do our religious duty, but what is our attitude? What's our motivation? Has it been godly? As I said, uh, Authentic Spiritual Life is the title for our stem series, Not to be seen by others. An authentic spiritual life is a Christian life that's, that's not focused upon ourselves, that's out for self glory, to be seen by other people, to have the recognition, the status of the world, but it's a life that is for God. Our worship is for him. We worship him, our father in heaven. Dan helped us understand what that means, our father who is in heaven. He loves us, we are his because of the Lord Jesus and we want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to, 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 to develop our faith to, to, to grow and, and so our lives are lived out for him. And this is kind of one of the themes, the challenges of this chapter in Matthew, chapter, in Matthew 6. And um, as I said we'll unpack this in the next few weeks. The first verse is there. Talk about our desire for recognition. Over our desire to please God. And verse 1 is almost like a summary sentence. For the first 18 verses or so. And Jesus says that when practicing our righteousness. So when we do good deeds. Follow what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus says if you do those things for the sake of human rewards, then that's what you'll get. And then from verse 2, our passage for today, he zooms in on this topic of, of giving. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So, what is your attitude towards giving? Jesus focuses on giving money in these verses here. I think we could probably expand it to giving it in different ways. Giving money, of course, giving of our possessions, giving food, giving clothes, helping other people who are in need. What is our attitude towards those acts? What's our motivation in giving to others? Is it for ourselves or is it for the sake of them and for the glory of God? Let's take a look at verse 2 again. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. So Jesus says, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say, if you give, he says, when you give. And as Dan pointed out this morning, that's the same for when we pray and when we fast, we we're expected to. That's part of what it means to be a Christian, that we, that we give Giving in those days was, was very common, kind of a cultural necessity almost for uh, many, many people who needed the help, particularly financial help of, of others around them. Like today in our town centres we see people on the streets asking for money, those who are homeless, those who are ill, but so too back then there were the homeless, there were those who were ill, who were disabled, who were widowed, who were orphans, those who didn't have others to love and to care for them. And so they would be on the streets needing money, needing care, needing help just to survive and to live. There's no welfare state, there's no children in need to help and support those who are vulnerable in society. They needed to, to help, to scavenge, to get what they could. And I'm sure if you read through the Gospels, you can think of examples of those who Jesus met who were like that. Blind Bartimaeus, for example, a man who's blind, he, he couldn't work and he would be begging people. And he cried out to Jesus for mercy. So when you give, do not announce it on trumpets like the hypocrites. And Jesus is most probably speaking about some of the religious leaders when he's talking about these hypocrites, those who think of themselves as being very important. The the, the well-educated, those who know the law very well, they know how they're supposed to live as good Jews. Living, practicing their righteousness, but in their own way, certainly for themselves. Jesus uses this word, hypocrite. And when you hear the word hypocrite, or when they heard it in the Greek, they particularly thought about an actor in the theatre. And when you see an actor, what are they doing? Well, they're one person playing a part of another. they Pretending to be somebody that they're not in real life. And so in a similar way, here we have what Jesus calls hypocrites. Those who say that they're good people, they're living moral lives, they're generous. That's how they're appearing in public. But actually probably inside, they don't really care about the needy. They're a bit cold-hearted. They're doing these acts. To seek the honour and the glory of other people. We know when we go to to a play or watch TV that the people we see are are actors. They're playing a part. We know that they're not the real people. Although sometimes if you meet celebrities you think that you are the character rather than the real person. But here we've got religious leaders who are fooling the people around them saying, well, I really am important and you should honour me and you should thank me. But their outward show of religiousness is hiding the starfishness that is within them. And, and so we have Jesus exposing them. the hypocrites. And Jesus then says, don't be like them. Don't, don't trumpet your words, your actions. I don't quite think he means that these religious leaders walked around with people playing trumpets so they would be seen. But you can imagine, you can imagine a religious leader, a Pharisee, who's wandering into the temple. He's going to give his money, his weekly giving. And maybe he takes along with him some of his students, so there's a crowd so people can see them. He wanders, he goes there at maximum t- attention. There's lots of people around in the temple. Maybe he wanders around a little bit to say hi to those who were who there to make sure they can see him. And then he goes over to, the, to the, the offering place and gets his money and he drops it from a height and then makes a big clang, metal on metal, so everybody can see that he's giving his money. Maybe that's the sort of behaviour that these religious people did. But of course I know that you would never do anything like that. Giving in such a way is far too vain and probably would be snubbed, scoffed at. We wouldn't do that, but perhaps we would do the similar thing in a more sophisticated way. We still want praise from other people and for ourselves, so, so maybe we'll drop it into a conversation with somebody that, that we've given money, we've given to help someone, Maybe we prefer to give our money publicly in church, and we don't have this one-- Road church, but some churches have an offering bag that goes around, and people want to make sure that people can see them putting their money in the bag. Maybe we give to charities where your name is published as being one of their donors. Maybe we fall for the incentive to give campaigning that goes on. If you give to my charity, you'll get a teddy bear. Or a pen with our logo and crested on it. Perhaps we're even more subtle than that, and we don't necessarily mind not having the praise from others, but we do like how it feels inside of us when we give. We feel proud. We've done a good thing. We're good Christians, and we compare ourselves with others, and we think we're better than other people. And And we think about all these things, how we give, our attitude and our motivation and we see that it's not been about God it's not been about the others at all. Our heart, our mind has been focused on the response that we'll get. Jesus says don't blow your own trumpet. Why not? end of verse 2, truly I tell you they have received their reward in full. They wanted to be praised by other people. They wanted the pat on the back. They wanted a good reputation. They wanted the pen with the logo on the side. They wanted their name on the new brick of the new building that's just been built. I've never quite understood those charities that, that offer incentives, particularly incentives that cost them a lot of money. You produce a teddy bear, you've got to post-it. Charities are raising money for the needy, and yet they're using their money to praise you for giving. It's a shame that thousands of pounds is spent on entertaining the British public during comic relief, when what they're not trying to do is raise money for the vulnerable. But unfortunately, that's what we're like, Has fallen sinful people. We want the praise, we want the glory. Now, I am not saying that every time we give, we are always in it for ourselves. I'm sure, I hope for most of us here, that when we do give, there's that battle and the mixed motives. We're Christians, and yes, we want to serve God, we want to help and bless other people, and we do generally want to do that and, and do do that. Sometimes there's that voice inside of us, there's that temptation to get some glory for ourselves our heart is not for the needy it's for our own reputation and so the reward of getting praise from man is, is what we've got but it's all that we've got there's no reward from God the bible teaches that there's some sort of reward system from God in heaven on earth, and we'll expand on that in a while but if we give for the purpose of praise based on our false motives then, then it's just rubbish, isn't it? we should be called the hypocrites as well, we live one way before other people, but yet inside we know it's really just for ourselves the problem is people around us only see what's done on the outside But often we know, and of course God knows, the true motives of our heart. I just thank God that that my salvation is not based upon me and what I've done. I would boast in it. All the things that I do are tainted with sin and selfish motives. When I live to please myself, I forget about Jesus. I forget what he's done for me. I forget that he should be my real motive. Jesus gave himself for me. He died openly and publicly but he did it for me. I was the one in need. I was the one desperate. I was the one far, far from God and he was generous paying the ultimate price so I could be free and so now as a child of God I choose, I choose to love him, to live for him. I choose for others to see Jesus, for others to, be, to glorify him as well. So when you give to the needy, do not announce sacred trumpets as the hypocrites do. They have received their reward in full. But, verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Giving so others see just gets earthly rewards. That's our first point. So secondly, giving so God can see gets heavenly rewards. Jesus is using hyperbole again here he's using the statement of exaggeration don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing don't know if you've thought about the kind of biology of that the physiology doesn't quite work does it? How can you do something with your right hand that your left hand doesn't know about? maybe you've tried something like passing your head with your left hand and rubbing your tummy with your right some people can do that, some people can't but your right hand still knows what your left hand is doing because the point Jesus is making is that we're not to make a big deal we're not to give openly and widely so everyone knows it we're not to publicise our giving Jesus talks about giving in secret and if we, if we can give in secret then that's great isn't it we can give so no one knows and then there's no danger of us receiving praise from people our head getting big. We can give anonymously in different ways. People post money through someone's door. People give cash rather than write a check. I I won't give you any personal examples because that would be blowing my trumpet and I'd lose my reward. But let me tell you about some examples of others, friends who have given anonymously or received anonymously. And there were times when I've been working and I've been living off the support of other people, I'm not earning a salary, so I'm needing the support of other Christians. And, and some have given openly, and I've known who they are, and that's fine, and that's, that's good and necessary sometimes. But occasionally, I'd get i some money from people I didn't know who had given me to given it to me. They wanted to remain anonymous. And I've heard many great testimonies of people who are living by the support of friends and family and who literally day by day are waiting to see what comes. There was one occasion when a friend of mine needed 50 pounds for an emergency repair work in their house and they didn't have it, they prayed and the next day 50 pounds cash came through the door. No idea where it came from. It's a great story of answered prayer of anonymous giving but what else does it do? It takes the attention off the giver because they're not known and it puts all the attention and all the glory on God. So when you give give in secret but as I said earlier sometimes it's just not possible to give anonymously very hard to write a check without selling your name or making a bank transfer without people knowing to you and that's okay Jesus isn't saying that if anyone knows that you've given anything then that's it, no reward for you that's not what he's saying what Jesus means is that, that when we give whether people see it or not what matters is our motivation what matters is our heart the attitude that we have In giving. So let's give, and let's give simply for the good of those who will receive it. Let's give to bless people, to see them filled with joy, to see them live and and grow and and change and praise God. Let's give food to those who need it. Let's provide a meal for those who are having newborn babies at the moment. Let's give clothes to those who need clothes but let's do it so that they're blessed and so that God is glorified. Let's go a little bit deeper. Do not let, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. I mentioned earlier that in our sophisticated Christian culture we, we know how to deceive other people and living our good lives with false motives. And we can give without the praise of people, but we we can't deceive ourselves and our true motivation. We give so no one else can see, but but we can see and we know God can see. And so when we give, we we dwell on the fact that we've just given. We keep a record of, of it in our minds. We tally up all the money that we've given over time, And so in that way we're still not giving for God's glory. There's still that selfish desire for praise. We want God to be impressed with us. We want to earn brownie points with him. What does it mean to give in a way that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing? Or whichever way around it is. Well we give and then we leave it. We don't dwell on the fact we've given. We don't make a big deal of it in our minds. We don't then compare ourselves with other people. Because of this, this is the way we give that receives a reward from God. Jesus says, when you give in secret, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What does he mean by that? What is this reward? He says it a few times in Matthew chapter 6. Twelve times in Matthew's Gospel and seven of those are in this one chapter of this idea of reward. In Matthew chapter 5 he introduces us to, to rewards and we, we looked at those verses in the Beatitudes over the summer. Blessed are you when people insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Sometimes it can be difficult to talk about rewards. Sometimes it feels not quite right when we talk about grace. Rewards and grace and, and God in heaven. It sometimes can be a bit difficult to understand what we mean. Sometimes we want to avoid it because of the danger of preaching works or something like that. Well, Jesus is not saying that we receive the reward of salvation, and that's not what we preach. We don't win our place in heaven, of course, by the things that we do. Heaven has been won for us by Jesus. But the Bible and the New Testament does speak about rewards. And the Christian being rewarded for the things they have done in the, in the body, whether good or bad. Well, there's much debate between theologians about exactly what it means about rewards. And, and some think, if I wonder, maybe for fear of denying or contradicting grace, they say that simply the reward is Jesus. The reward is being with him. The good, the bad that you do in the body is simply whether you've received Christ or you haven't received Christ. And that is all that you will be judged on on the last day Well, of course, in one sense, Jesus Christ is our reward. To be with him forever is a wonderful prospect. Heaven is indeed our reward. But I wonder whether there's more to it than that. When I read the New Testament, it seems that there is some kind of reward for specific things. You take Matthew 25, for example, you've got the parable of the talents. It's a story Jesus tells, but he, he has three characters and they're all given different amounts of talents, different amounts of money that they're to invest. And after the time of investment, the master comes back and he rewards each of them for how they have invested the money. Say, for example, one man has this different five talents and he invests it and he doubles his, his, his possession and, and he's rewarded for that. And Jesus relates that spiritually and he says, to the, to the master says to the person, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. And it seems that perhaps the application here is that this man's reward is responsibility in heaven. there is some kind of reward but I guess the danger of thinking like that is that we might be tempted to think "Oh, when we we get to heaven Jesus will be there at the door and he'll have his tick sheets and he'll be saying yes you did all these really good things give you some stickers or your charts some medals and trophies we don't want to have the attitude of doing good things so we can have a full trophy cabinet when we get to heaven but Jesus does say that there is some kind of recognition. I like what Leon Morris says, a well known theologian, and he speaks about rewards being linked with God's justice. Judgment Day, the day when all things will be put right, or wrongs righted, and, and all will be revealed. The motives, the true motives of our hearts will be seen, and evil will be exposed and dealt with, and, and the good. Will be recognized. And so, whatever the reward is, whatever that looks like in heaven, we can trust that God knows, God sees, God has ultimate justice. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, these verses don't actually say that that reward will be in heaven. And I wonder whether the times we see it, particularly in verses 1 to 18, there may be an element of reward now in response to what we've done in our prayers or our fasting or our giving. And maybe we'll expand on those in the next couple of weeks. But when we give, let's give for the sake of others. And the reward for that is the joy that we get. The simple joy of seeing the smile on someone else's face when they receive. The joy of helping somebody, of saving a life, of improving a life. Give for the glory of God. And when we do that, it's helping our relationship with Him. We're serving Him, we're growing. The Lord blesses us. He sees the sacrifice, perhaps, that you've made in giving. And He promises to supply for you that you will not lack. But simply this evening, our lesson is that when we give, let's give not for our own glory, but let's give for the praise of the Lord Jesus. If we give for ourselves, then all we'll get is the praise of others. And we know what that's like. It's great, but we want more. We're never satisfied with earthly rewards and treasure. But when we give to God, when we give to others for the sake of God, He sees it. And he remembers it. And he will reward it. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the wonderful gifts that you give to us. We thank you for the life that you call us to live. We thank you that you've chosen and called us as individuals and as a church to be part of your kingdom that's growing to love and to serve one another. Thank you that there are some who have and that they are able to give to those who don't have and that's just a wonderful picture an example of, of community, of, of the gospel. We thank you for sending your son, for him giving his life for us. And we pray that as we seek to live Authentic spiritual lives growing in our relationship with Him, that you will help us. And in the area of, of giving, Lord, would you, would you help us? Would you test our hearts, our motives? Well, may we be so in love with You, so overwhelmed by the wonderful Gospel, that we will have a heart of wanting to glorify You, of wanting to share and to love. And to give to others that they may be blessed and that you may be glorified. We need your help for we are often, we often have mixed motives. We often want and we like the glory that comes to us. But please help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to look to Jesus and give him the glory. Amen.